Hi friends, welcome to the Dreaming in the Hollow podcast. I'm your host, Diana Hansen. And today I had a wonderful conversation with Katrina Carabos about her work in our community and beyond in holding virtual and in-person circles to find ways to reconnect to rooted traditions and sacredness. And so I'll read a little bit um, to you from her beautiful, newly designed website made by a couple of the men in her amazing men's group, which we talk about in the episode. She says, can you hear her calling you, beckoning you to remember a time that has been lost, to bring back the ways of the ancients and a reverence for her, the mother of all life, She has been silenced, oppressed, devalued, subdued. Structures of power have kept her in hiding and have attempted to wipe out the veneration of her. Her ways are returning. She calls you to reconnect to her and to help bring our lives back into harmony. So Katrina is one who has heard this call and continues, as long as I have known her, has gathered people in Sacred Circle, worked with um, elders and um, different cultures around the world to bring us all together and practice sacred traditional work and what a gift that is and what a gift that brings to us all to have these experiences whether we're familiar with them or not to feel the sensation of what it's like to be rooted into a sacred ritual that is ancient and traditional and there's something so powerful about that and so I'm really happy and excited to bring to you Katrina and her work that she offers to the world and I can only hope in particular in this moment in time where we feel so separated and isolated and our mental health is struggling as we continue not to be able to gather in groups and hug and hold each other's hands and touch each other Um, I know it's been excruciating for me, and I imagine it is the same for others. Um, I really enjoyed connecting with Katrina here and talking about how um, many of her in-person circles that were traditionally in-person pre-COVID have now become virtual and are very successful. So I'm going to let you dive into this amazing conversation and absorb the beautiful words from Katrina. And I'm sending you all lots of love. And thank you so much for tuning in. Hi, Katrina. Hey, it's so good to have you on here. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm happy to see you today. Yeah, so I'll just start by asking you, how you're doing right now with everything in in the pandemic and the world um, and where you're at? Yeah, I think, you know, I I was sharing a little bit ago when we were checking in, I think I may repeat myself. um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, gathering together and being in ceremony and having healing spaces is such an important part of my life and my 
uh, my path. And I think it keeps me in a place of presence and also keeps me in a place of um, sanity as much as I can muster. And uh, when COVID hit, I really felt that um, concern that we weren't going to have the ability to gather. And I kind of went into overdrive and it was an interesting feeling because most people were really slowing down and I just sped up and kind of jumped in to kind of like secure an opportunity or opportunities for us to still be together. And so I went from, you know, being someone who's around the fire and out in the woods and by rivers and on mountains to going into virtual and holding circles there and being together in connection there. And so I've been pretty active in that way and surprisingly really loving it. Um, I was sharing with you earlier, I was in a circle last night from women all over the world. There were in Singapore and Hong Kong and Thailand and Europe. And I'm loving this opportunity to be in circle across the world and like feeling that potency. Um, so I'm grateful for that. You know, I think that's a silver lining for me in COVID because it's an arena I wouldn't have looked at or explored. Um, and I'm grateful that we have this technology that can enable us to do that. And, you know, in my own personal worlds, um, beyond what I'm doing, um, yeah, I think that we're all like in a big healing process right now, really looking at our lives, our values, um, how we want the world to look. And so, I'm keeping that flame of hope alive as much as possible that we're going to come out of this in a way that we can start to really do things differently as humanity. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at like my own part in that as we, you know, reemerge when we're able to. Um, so yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell where I am. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so in all of the time that I've known you, I've always, you know, experienced you as a facilitator of these, you know, could be quite large groups actually um, in circle, usually around a fire um, where we call in the directions and or talk about intentions or releasing or bringing in or some kind of reconnection to ceremony and healing. Um, so I'm wondering if you could tell the listeners or talk a little bit about um, what brought you to that and, and what that means, you know, what drew you to it? Yeah, actually, the, the first thing that comes to my mind when you ask that question was the very first time I went to a moon circle, I was pregnant with my first son, I was 23 years old. Um, and I was at a health food store and I saw it was in Bridgeton, Maine, um, where I was living. And I saw a picture on the on the wall that had a spiral on it. And it said Moon Lodge. Um, and my eyes just went right over to it. Um, I was in a, I was in a lot of process in myself of motherhood and like, I think bringing a child into the world, my whole view of the world changed of like, what is the environment like here? Um, just suddenly changed in such drastic ways. And so there was something about this call of gathering together with women that like just brought this aliveness in my heart. And I didn't know anything about it at the time. I was, I had some spiritual practice in my life, but it was pretty, you know, it's, it was, pretty benign, I guess might be the right word. I definitely wasn't like a big part of my life. Um, and there was something that just drew me in. And the moment I sat in that circle, um, 
my like everything in my body, like something like crystallized. Like I remember, like I started crying. It's like, I sat in that circle and we sang the first song and just something clicked in my being. Uh, and it's been now a cornerstone of my life since then. So, you know, it's been almost 20 years and um, there's something for me about being together. And for me, it started with the women. It started with the healing of being a woman. And I think I really needed that at the time of becoming a mother, uh, of really looking at like, what is the mother archetype in our culture? And like, what am I now expected to do? I was like, I was looking for answers and solutions. And I didn't feel like I could follow, I couldn't follow, I couldn't follow the the mold that was before me of what a mother was it didn't feel aligned with who i was and so i was searching for other forms and other ways of being mother and so i think gathering in circle with women with the concept of the mother at the center the concept of the divine mother the concept of the earth the concept of this feminine energy that i really didn't have much exposure to just brought something alive in me um, and started me on a path of knowing like, oh, there's other models here of the mother. It's not just what I've been seeing on television. I mean, I watched a lot of television as a kid. So media was like a big part of like molding my psyche. Um, and so it really opened up something in me. And then I dedicated my life to it since. Um, so that's, that's what drew me in was motherhood. And as it's grown, you have kind of a lot of different groups going on kind of simultaneously. So we have like the sisterhood of staffs, right? And then this new sort of online group, which is it called the web of love? Mm -hmm. I see that often on my feed, which is great. <laughs> and, um, and you have a men's group, which we're gonna talk about. And then um, a European group. Right. So there's, it's sort of multifaceted, right? At this point you have, and, and like I said, these groups are quite large. It's not like a small, yeah. It, it, and especially now online, it can expand, like you said, so far away and so many people. So um, has that, how has that felt to have that sort of expansion within the group and, and have these, you know, multiple large groups that you're, you're containing? Yeah, I mean, I, I've appreciated it. It's been a stretch for me. I think I was sharing earlier, I just made my first website or two of my good friends made my website for me and I was part of that process. And it's, it's a stretch for me and my personality really to be visible. Visibility is kind of a challenging thing for me. I think I definitely carry some of the wounding of the past of the burning times. And I think my soul just has this story of like, don't share your medicine. You got to hide it. You got to, you know, keep it in the backyard and underground and like, don't, don't be seen. It's not safe. Um, and so I think I carry a lot of those messages inside of me. And so coming, coming into larger arenas like this, I had to do a lot of, um, Kind of reminding myself of the times that we're in and also that urging that I continue to feel uh, that I really witness with people around me with their medicine that I'm consistently saying like go be seen your medicine's needed and uh, and so I've been hearing the same thing from people that are around me like go be seen your medicine's needed and so I'm doing my best to honor that while also noticing in myself like what comes up and what kind of stories am I telling myself to remain hidden and small and um, 
Um, so yeah, I, I've appreciated the stretch because like I was saying, you know, the ability to gather with people around the world is really powerful and uh, quite amazing. And I had some concern if ceremony could actually be translated onto screen. Uh, and some of it can and some of it cannot. I mean, there's just a reality that like there is something about the essence of being around a fire or being around the waters together that you're not really quite able to capture online. However, it also feels like it's opening up this other place that I was surprised to find where I think because people are in their own homes, there's a different kind of softness and opening that can happen. And so some of the circles I've been a part of, um, people have shared really deeply and in places where they were actually expressing that they've never shared what they're sharing before to other human beings. And I think it's giving us this ability to be really open and vulnerable that perhaps we wouldn't in person. Um, it does give us this kind of like barrier of protection in a sense, I think. So in that way, I think it opens up uh, what may not be opened up in person. So um, I'm, I'm really appreciating it and kind of going into what feels like this other realm. Um, and I'm getting more and more comfortable. You know, at first it was a little bit shaky and a little bit uh, unusual and having to make sure everybody's muted and <laughs> kind of going through the logistics and, um, and it's getting, it's getting much more easeful and um, yeah, I'm, I'm really loving it. And, mm. and the opportunity really is what it feels like. Yeah. And, and have a sense of relief to see, or, cause I remember, you know, we weren't even talking at that point when COVID came in and the pandemic shut everything down. I witnessed you just by being on Facebook, just kind of dive in, like you said. Um, and I thought, wow, this is great because, you know, even from afar, I didn't want to lose that connection or, you know, like the sisterhood of the staffs is really important. Um, and, and that group is, is really about women in leadership. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of other important things about it that I'm not mentioning, but, um, just to sum it up a little bit so people understand. Um, it's like leadership in your community, right? Okay. Together and kind of connect to that together. Yeah, Sister of the Staffs started in 2012. Um, so it came out of that time period in the Mayan calendar where there was a change in the uh, Lords of Time, um, as they call it. And um, my, one of my teachers who we came to your house, Nana Wilma um, from Guatemala. She was um, kind of the beginning part of that uh, tradition of looking at the symbol of the staff as a representation of someone who is calling in community and being a leader in their community. Uh, and so, yeah, we gather once a year uh, with a fire to bless our staffs and to connect. And we've been gathering online as well through COVID um, just to find a support space and to talk about like, how has our leadership changed? And now what's happening <laughs> and what is going on and what is needed and how can we support each other? And there's also been a lot of themes lately um, within Sister to the Staffs and other circles that I'm navigating of looking deeper at collaborations um, within the construct of us stepping more fully into our like business worlds, you know, like so many of us medicine people, I think right now are stepping more into our work. Uh, and so starting to carry some of those teachings uh, um, with us around the circle and community and that kind of more feminine 
way of looking at things, which is more collaborative than the kind of the patriarchal view that we've been in of kind of like, there's that person that's kind of at the top. And, um, and so looking more at how do we like rise within community and rise within circle. Uh, and so that's been something we've been counseling about at Sisterhood of the Staffs and, and other places of how we move forward in our work, especially as we're going into the virtual uh, within that, the structure of the circle of kind of bringing, we're kind of like bringing each other in um, and looking at how can we collaborate within our work more. Um, so yeah, creating more, um, more unity, I think, in what we're doing and less separation. I think the internet helps us to do that actually. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. And um, yeah, I had a wonderful experience with the Sisterhood of the Staff. So it was a really beautiful ceremony uh, with Nana Wilma. And like you said, she did come here to Mountain Hollow to do a fire ceremony, um, which was such an honor and was super potent. She's so wonderful. <laughs> um, and with you came, uh, I think maybe all of the men in your men's group and to help, you know, they helped set up, they helped do a lot of things. They were super um, active in the ceremony and really present on the land. And I really took note and noticed um, these men who just seemed different, felt different. They were just wonderful to have here. And so I got really curious about your men's group, you know, because, you know, there's not enough of that. And I think I hear a lot of men talk about it, you know, including my husband, um, you know, there's a need, um, but it just doesn't quite come to fruition. So I'm curious if you could talk more about, you know, the men's group and how that's facilitated and, and what that's like. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, we had a good crew come up to your house. We had so much fun. I think it was only five or six of them, if I remember. The group was, uh, there were 15 that year. So there was about half that were there. Um, and I loved being in circle with them um, on your land. I just, yeah, that was a really fond memory. Um, and when they, uh, quite a few of them actually stayed with us the whole week Nana was here last summer. And so we really got to deepen in ceremony together. And um, it was just great to see that presence in action. Uh, a big part of the teachings that were received during our time together was um, the masculine place of service for ceremony. So it was really beautiful to see them just step in and they helped set up and they helped clear and they helped cook. I mean, it was really quite remarkable to see it that way and um, really beautiful. Um, so yeah, I think where I would start with that is like I was sharing earlier, my spiritual path really started with women. And for me, the reclaiming of the archetype of the mother in a different form um, and really going into the goddess tradition. And um, that was almost all women. I think I could say probably pretty clearly, like almost the first 15 years, I was in circle only with women. And there was something really healing for me about that of uh, really looking at my femininity and really highlighting and illuminating what I think has been oppressed, which is the feminine essence of life. I think it's been really um, ignored and stamped out really. Um, and so that was really the foundation piece for me in my healing process. And I have two sons, so I am in the gift of seeing what it's like to raise 
men in this world. And I really noticed how much because of the suppression of the feminine and the suppression of the mother, how much that affects my sons. And I started to really put two and two together that this is affecting all of us. It's affecting all of humanity, uh, what's happened. And so I think looking through that lens, I started to see that there really wasn't a lot available for the healing of men in the context of putting the mother and the feminine or the divine feminine like back into our lives. And what I noticed when I started going there was this story of like, well, why do men need to learn how to be feminine? Like that was kind of a reflection that I kept getting. And um, what I kept anchoring in is that it's not about becoming more feminine. It's understanding the feminine and understanding something that has been almost erased from our whole culture. I mean, it's like, it's just not there and it's starting to be where it's rising um, and how much that affects everyone. Um, and so it really started to conjure in me, especially as my son started reaching teenagehood and starting to look at that in a different light um, and really asking myself, like, what is available to men in this way of healing? And what is available in this way of returning back to some of her traditions of the earth and the natural rhythms of, of life? And I started to look at that. Um, and really what started to come forward in a more uh, overt way was my work with Nana. She's a, a Mayan grandmother and in their tradition, the men and women and the masculine and feminine is always in a balance um, with whatever they do. And so I started to look deeper at where my life was feeling off balance in my healing circles and uh, really wanting to bring more of the masculine essence into these containers and into these circles. So uh, last year or two years now, almost two years, it'll be two years in the, in the spring, I held my first men's group and it was called Earth's Rising Sons. And that was the, some of the men that you met. And it was a seven month program. We called it an initiation because it certainly was. Uh, and each month there's two women that come to facilitate with me. So again, this place of collaboration and kind of bringing the circle with me wherever I can. So there'd be three of us um, that would priestess and we went through seven archetypes of the psyche. So we started with the child and then the king and lover, magician, warrior, villain, and then hero. And so each weekend we would look at these archetypes and through ceremony and ritual, we would look at um, how these archetypes have been affected by the suppression of the feminine and the stamping out of the ways of the goddess. And so looking at in the psyche, like how are these archetypes in relation to the patriarchy? And then how are these archetypes in relation to a more harmonious centered system? Um, and so that was kind of, we went through a lot of transformation internally in that of, oh, this is the patriarchy kind of told me that this is what a king is versus like, what is a king in the context of if we put the feminine back into the center into the centerpiece. Um, so it was a really beautiful process and very healing for me and the other women. And that part really struck was how healing it was for us as the women. Um, I felt like we were there in service of like, here, we're going to share these traditions with you. And in the end, it was like really deeply healing to our own hearts and our own process. Um, so I continue to want to 
hold these healing circles and with men, I felt really inspired. And the men that came were so beautiful and really touched um, me a lot in my heart. And so that has become now something I feel really passionate about. And so I'm right now, I'm doing one online circle with men um, that is called the Men's Virtual Goddess Temple. And it's a five month run and it's a bit more informational like we're looking at the goddess tradition so it's a way for them to really learn about what even is the goddess tradition what have these women been doing in these temple spaces what's going on there and of course i'm not going to share everything um and there's a lot to share there's a lot to share about what these traditions were like and how can we bring them back into our world and you know, the, the base of it really is the honoring of the earth. That's really what it comes down to. That's really the essence of what the goddess path is. And so these men that are showing up, we had our first weekend, two weekends ago, um, are just really curious and they, they'd like to know more about as they are wanting to really step into a different form of masculinity and like away from the kind of more toxic form that we've been seeing in the patriarchy and in a place more of um, kind of a a supportive, um, centered, mature masculine, I think a lot of them are realizing that in order to do that, there has to be a different relationship with the feminine essence of life in order to, to claim that new form of masculinity. Um, so I'm loving it. And I'm also looking forward to doing Earth's Rising Suns again, once we're able to gather in person and in the interim, I'm doing these online. Um, and then in this, in the fall, I'm going to run a, a virtual form of ERS or Earth Rising Suns that's going to look at the archetypes and kind of deeper dive into our own psyches. So I'm loving, I'm loving it. It's been great. Yeah, it's actually really healing just to hear about um, because I think, you know, for me as a woman, I've had much too much interactions with this I'm not sure how to articulate it quite right, but you know, this deep, dark, patriarchal kind of essence in, in a lot of men that I've come across in my life. So when you described how healing it was for you, I can absolutely see how transformational that experience could be for, you know, someone like me just to witness men with their curiosity and this kind of openness and willingness and gentleness, especially towards the earth in that way. Um, I think it would, it, it would just be quite a healing for women in general, I think, to experience that. So it's a really powerful thing you're doing. Yeah, so thank, thank you. you. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. It's great. And yeah, I feel that too, Diana, of this, um, way in which perhaps there's more healing to be done with women too. And so that is something that I, I think about. Um, yeah. So it's a seed that's planted of, uh, is there more that can be done with kind of weaving in women into the work as well, or the healing? I don't always like to call it work. It's a, it's a healing process. Yeah. Or even, you know, holding space and, and observing and witnessing and, you know, being there in a healing with a healing intention, you know, but just the observation would be pretty amazing too. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the European group, I'm really interested too, because I've just recently kind of opened up, 
you know, not intentionally, you know, through really wild, vivid, lucid dreams, um, open up the connection to my Scottish Highlander lineage, uh, which just happens to be way more potent and magical than I ever could have imagined. Um, <laughs> so I have this new interest in, in that part of the world um, and the history. Um, and in the in my previous episode of the podcast with Maureen, you know, she she went, oh, Diana, that's where all the witches and magical people came. <laughs> she she lit right up when I talked about it. So I'm super curious about um, this European group that you're doing and and what you guys are working on. Yeah, I love the Scottish history, by the way. It's so rich. I, I don't have that bloodline in myself. And I also feel re really connected to it and um, have done a lot of research on the Isle of Ionia, which is a really amazing place. And um, mm. there's just so much. It's really, really rich. I love that you're diving into that because there's there is a lot there for sure. Um, yeah, I think for me, it came from a lot of my work with indigenous people of this land, including Nana and, and other indigenous teachers that are in my life. And um, I was fortunate enough to go to Standing Rock when that was happening. And I sat in circle with women um, from all over the world, really. I mean, mostly the Americas um, in water prayer every morning. And in the morning, we would go around the circle and we would say ourselves. And oftentimes, um, our mother and the mother and the mother and the mother, we, we would go try to go back as far as we could. And also where our people are coming from. Um, and it was always so striking that the indigenous people of this place had such a strong integrity in where they came from. So they were often able to name many generations back and name exactly where they come from, where who their tribe is, what clan they're from. And it was always this really striking thing for us white skinned people when it came to our turn, because most of us could only go back about three, maybe four generations. And most of us do not know where our lineage comes from. So oftentimes when it came to a white skinned person, they would say, I think I'm a little bit of this and I think I'm a little bit of that and not finding that clarity. And there were a lot of teachings from the elders there about how important it was for white skinned people to refine and reclaim and remember our own indigenous traditions. And that that's a big wound that we have um, not carried those traditions forward. Um, and, you know, for good reason that they got wiped out um, and that it's time now for us to find them again and that we have the resources, we have this internet that's just this like amazing source of information uh, and that we can start to dig back into our root systems. Um, I remember one Dene man in particular, I was talking to him one day and he said to me, it really struck me. He said, I can't even imagine not knowing who I am. I can't even imagine not knowing where my people come from. And he's like, that must be really painful. And it wasn't until I looked at it from that perspective of really digesting like how painful it actually is um, that we don't know. And, you know, I think it's a big culprit of why there's so much cultural appropriation. It's because I think white skinned people are like, 
searching for culture and searching for traditions. And so there are these beautiful cultures that are alive right now and present in the indigenous peoples of this land is a prime example. And so I think there's this tendency of like, oh, that's so beautiful. And it reminds us of something, you know, it kind of like strikes a chord in us. And so we tend to gravitate towards it. And I think finding some of those root systems that have been severed um, and kind of reattaching them in to the um, into life, I think will also naturally start to heal some of that wounding of cultural appropriation, which can be really painful. Um, and I start looking at it as like we can be in circle and start sharing and even saying like, this is a song from my people. And that just starts to move something in me um, that feels really rich and really important. So, so the, yeah, this group um, is a five month group. Um, there's a new one starting in March and there's 20 people that are involved with it. So I kept it pretty small so that we could like get into it together. Um, and of those 20 people, everyone's partnered up with somebody that is from the same region of Europe. And so together they do research and they kind of like dig in and um, we start it with prayer. We start it with a way of connecting with our ancestors and a way of creating an ancestor altar and really asking for guidance from the unseen realm. Cause that's where a lot of the information is coming through um, because most of the traditions have been lost. Uh, realm and then doing whatever is being called towards us of, of finding and digging and discovery. So we're looking at songs, um, we're looking at foods, we're looking at um, traditions of ceremonies for the solstice and for different parts of the turning of time. Um, and it's just been amazing and fascinating and so beautiful. And what we keep finding is that these indigenous cultures of the Europe and all over the world, they have so much common themes. Like there's really this undercurrent again of honoring the earth, um, which again to me is the path of the goddess of really honoring the rhythms of nature and honoring our relationship to the rhythms of nature. Like that's underneath all of them across the world. And so to see that in our own lineage and then be able to start to bring some of those traditions back, um, it just feels really healing and really, really powerful. Um, and I love it. And I'm looking forward to exploring it more um, and just continuing to follow those threads of, um, yeah, finding something that got severed. I mean, it was a real thing, like the genocide of the indigenous people of Europe is a real thing. And um, I was hit really hard with knowing that there were thousands of indigenous tribes in Europe. And now there are only two recognized tribes in all of Europe. And mm -hmm. just to feel that is, is pretty intense. Mm -hmm. um, and knowing that that genocide is happening here in the Americas, and you know, mm -hmm. it's still going on. Um, so there is something so powerful right now about bringing some of those traditions back Absolutely. Letting, letting them live again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to experience it is, is very healing. I remember when um, Nana Wilma was here during her ceremony, which was very powerful. Um, she just looked directly at me mm -hmm. for, a, for a moment in the ceremony. And she said, you want to something like you want to do this work, you must be clean. And she was really direct. Mm -hmm. 
you know, like a real grandmother. And I sat up in my, <laughs> in my seat and I was like, yes, you know, um, but I knew what she meant. And what she meant was not just clean on the outside, but clean on the inside. Um, and that is part of a lot of the work that I do as a practitioner, you know, and, and the modality of Reiki, that is, that is the essence of Reiki. It's the, the harmony, balance, cleanliness, you know, things like that. It's a sacred kind of clean. <laughs> um, so, and, you know, I don't have any direct lineage connection to, you know, Nana Wilma's, you know, Mayan traditions, but I absolutely felt a sense of, you know, groundedness to my core in, in being a participant in her sacred ritual and tradition. Um, and, you know, it just felt like an honor to witness, but back to what you were saying quickly about, you know, the kind of cultural appropriation, I think, you know, I agree with you completely. And what I've noticed is just this deep loss of belonging in a lot of people um, and the sort of reaching out for, for education and knowledge and understanding and connection to, you know, sacredness and ritual. And, you know, cause I think for most of us in some way or form and some or all part of our ancestry, it was sort of taken the originality of our um, rituals were taken. So how do we get back to it? Um, and what's hard for me to see, you know, in, in our current conditions now is sort of the kind of cancel culture going on or the shaming and blaming and the verbal attacking going on when people are just trying to begin the journey to reconnect when instead I feel like we should turn to each other and offer, you know, the education or the tools, the understanding, the conversation um, that can guide them in a better way, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, it's tough, but, um, you know, I'm so grateful for what you're doing because I think it, it's just helping bring it back, you know? Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Yeah. Thank you for speaking to that. I think, um, I think there's so much we can learn from indigenous cultures of that are, that are alive now. And um, I resonate with what you're saying of, even though I don't have a connection with the ancestry that Nana is carrying, or like, it's not in my DNA, there is something really powerful about being in circle where there is a tradition that's like this kind of ancient taproot. There's something so rooted in that and, and really deep, like you can just feel it. You can feel that depth. And so it feels like people are drawn to that because we don't have that within ourselves. We've been uprooted and, um, and not just uprooted. I mean, I want to give voice to that. There is ancestral trauma there. That's really deep. I mean, I was sharing earlier, like I still have those stories as I'm, you know, it's 2021 and I'm still like, oh man, is it okay to talk about this? You know, it's, it, it runs in our ancestral memory and that trauma has been handed down through the generations. So one of the things that we've been discovering with reclaiming these traditions is 
all across Europe, there was major trauma. There was major, major violence that is not spoken about very often. I mean, I think we, we get this little blurb about it in history that there was the inquisitions and that there was this period of time that people were burned. And when we really peel back that layer and look at the numbers, it's absolutely staggering. It's absolutely like horrific and really painful to, to witness that this happened. Um, and that there was just conquering after conquering of indigenous people, um, and really kind of like this, um, yeah, I mean, it was a wiping out and it was successful. It worked. Um, and so there is this pain spot there that I think when we start digging in, it's like, oh yeah, there is, there is trauma here to heal. Um, and like having to kind of sift through all of that, like it, it feels to me like it's like this tap root we're tapping into and there has been a sever inside of it. And so it's like this way like of mending through that severing to reconnect to these, to these ancient traditions. And, you know, it's probably never gonna be the same. Like many of the languages are lost, we, they're gone from the earth. Um, and I think that there's essences we can pull back um, so that that depth of tradition that we feel when we're around indigenous people, like we can hold that within ourselves as well and like know our people and know where we come from. Um, yeah, it just seems like a really important piece right now. Um, it's like mm -hmm. kind of like this understanding of the importance of ancestors and praying to our ancestors and knowing that there are so many um, that aren't being remembered right now so so many um so that feels like an important piece yeah yeah i'd like to add to that too that i think within us is like a knowledge that we completely don't understand that we already have because it's in our dna right it's in ourselves so you know for me at times it's come through in the dream time um i had a dream you know not a couple months ago where I've, I've always had this black wolf come and go all my life in my dreams. He comes and gives me information. Last time I saw him, he was speaking English. <laughs> this time when he came, he was speaking in a language I'd never heard before in my life. It was beautiful. It was intricate. It was like a song. It was intense. And when I woke up, the word Gaelic was repeating in my mind. And I didn't even know. I thought, what was what's Gaelic? I have to go research. So I did all this research and it's connected to my Scottish Highlander lineage. So that's why I've been kind of directed in that direction right now, because it's potent and asking me to pay attention and look. So um, it's really, really interesting how that's within us, even after all this time, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, for folks maybe who feel like, you know, how do I do this? You know, maybe start going within at the same time, right? Yeah. 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 I love that you bring that up because it's true. It it's inside that that memory is in ourselves. Like that memory is in our DNA. It it lives within us. And it's it's really tuning in and remembering that it it's already there. Um, and that a lot of it is seeped in mystery. And there is this um, adventurous aspect of it that I'm imagining you're experiencing too, of going into the Scottish heritage because it's so rich and beautiful. I really love, like, I just have this deep love of that part of the world and the traditions there um, that 
it's there's an adventure to it too. It, it's kind of like you're you're going into you know, like a archaeology, like Indiana Jones kind of style of like digging in and, and researching and following threads. And um, the mystery aspect of it can also be really fun. There are painful parts too. I would, like I was acknowledging, um, and there's also this excitement. And uh, oftentimes I think when we start to discover aspects of our tradition, something really solidifies within ourselves. Like I'm right now I'm doing Balkan roots of my, my Balkan um, heritage. And anytime I start to discover something else, it's like, oh, that's why I'm that way. It's, it's kind of like reminds me of astrology. Like when my friends that are astrologers speak to me about my chart or about myself, it kind of like clicks something like, oh, that explains that part of my personality. Mm -hmm. I feel like as we go into these root systems of tradition, it explains so much about our being right now. It's like, oh, that's why I've always had a fascination with that. Or it's like something just resonates. Um, and, and the languages, I wanna speak to that. Um, I'm gifted to be partnered with someone who's from Serbia. And so she speaks the language and hearing the language of our ancestry is so powerful. It's mm -hmm. like you said, like so beautiful and like something starts to crystallize in our beings. And um, so, yeah, I think the language piece feels really important too. And I think that's another layer of connecting with our ancestry is like when we can start to speak the language, um, even if we like right now we're, um, we're each writing a prayer in our own language. Um, and so even like, even a sentence or two of invocation and like having that be part of our spiritual practice, I find it to be really um, resonant in something. It's like calling something forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that you do more research in the Gaelic because that's really I, that's special. <laughs> I am. I am. It. You know, the language itself, like I remember hearing it in the dream, it's like a frequency. And so yeah. it's, a, it's a physical, visceral, spiritual experience to hear it. There's more yeah. to language than just the sound. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's a good way to put it. I love it. It's really amazing. So Right now, um, as you can imagine, people are uh, feeling, you know, isolated, separated, you know, not being able to do the usual community things, never mind the, the sacred gatherings and the rituals. Um, I was just wondering, you know, for those who are listening and feeling that way, besides, you know, how they find what you're up to and, you know, maybe particular the web of love too, we can talk about that. Um, but in terms of being someone who, you know, facilitates these groups and communities, um, I'm just wondering if you had any thoughts or suggestions or places to point them to, just, just to take a step forward into feeling less isolated. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think with the thread that we're on right now about the ancestry feels really important. There is something that you do feel connected with when you start to look there. Um, so yeah. I just want to speak that if there's, um, if there are people who are kind of wanting to be a bit more in their own internal process and maybe not so much online, um, there is a lot of connection that can be had just with our own self of reconnecting with our, with our lineage um, and with our ancestry that does I believe really help with that feeling of connection. Um, and then, you know, for those that are 
comfortable with with coming online um, and being in circle. There's there's certainly a lot that are that are happening, and it's kind of just you know tuning in and and connecting in. And um, yeah, I'll give voice to Web of Love. I think that's a, a space that that folks can come, and uh, they don't necessarily even really have to participate. You can just kind of be present and and listen and just kind of tune in. Um, right now, we're in a bit of a transitionary process. We're reformulating what's going to be offered there. Uh, the intention of that space is a place for virtual circles, a place for gatherings for people to come together and pray. Mostly, there's a lot of prayer that happens for the worlds and for humanity. Um, and so we're just reformatting when things will be happening. And right now we have Sunday evenings. Uh, Ms. Amani, who's an amazing woman, um, comes on. She's a fire tender. So she has a, a fire most Sundays, weather permitting. Um, and there's prayers for humanity. And it's an opportunity to come together and connect. And then we also do a grandmother's council on there once a month uh, where we bring in six grandmothers from various traditions and we ask a question and they just give us wisdom and you know from their experience of of life um they just share about what they gleam from that question so mm -hmm. this month the question is in this polarizing time of information and truths how do we find centeredness and harmony with those around us. Um, Cause I think a lot of us are in that confusion right now with information coming at us that isn't just contradicting, it's completely polarizing. So it's like a lot of us are asking that question like, what the heck are we supposed to believe right now? And where do we look for, for information? And ah, and it's, and it's challenging because people are also like you were saying like that cancel culture and like that energy that's happening right now, those polar opposites like really conflicting with one another. Um, and so that that's up for a lot of us. So I I love the opportunity of sitting with with elders and and women who have had really rich life experiences and have gleaned a lot of wisdom to really hear from where they're coming from and their thoughts and views. Um, so we're doing that once a month, and then there'll be more. They'll we're going to be adding more um, in the, within the next couple of months. That's amazing. That sounds incredible. Um, so what? What would you say is the best way for people to find, you know, web of love or get connected to some of these groups that you're doing? If there's a man listening who's really feeling like he might want to be part of the men, the men's group, um, how can people find you? Yeah, the easiest way now is the website that actually two of the men from Earth Rising Suns built um, for me. They're amazing, David and Aaron. They helped me so much because they they understand me and my language, and um, they also understand my piece of like that visibility is is can be a challenge for me. And so they like kind of held me through that process, which was great. So. Um, all of the things that I do now are on that website. So there's also a link for Web of Love on there as well. Right now it's a Facebook group. Uh, and then there we post where, uh, when different gatherings are happening. Um, and then all of the groups that I'm running are listed there. I also do a new moon circle for women each month where we pray about the world. So it's a healing of our worlds um, that we gather together. And I also have been doing monthly self-forgiveness circles online as well. Um, and then I have other ones that are kind of coming up here and there. Um, yeah. And the, the European roots and the men's group are the kind of the, the highlight 
now. Uh, and they're both on the website too. So that's, I think, the best way to to find out about any of the things that I'm offering would be mm-hmm. that. It's katrinacorvos.com. So it's really easy to, mm-hmm. to find. Perfect. Wonderful. Well, this was really incredible. And I'm so excited to share this with everyone who's going to listen so they can hear about this and understand this more and um, have more interest in gathering just in general, (laughs) right? So thank you so much, Katrina, for coming on. And um, I look forward to seeing you in person at some point. Likewise. I'm just going to say that out loud. (laughs) Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much. I love doing this. Thank you for offering this for folks to highlight their medicine and, and their their offerings into the world. It's really valuable to um, have opportunities to share more about what we're doing and what we're being called forward to do and, mm-hmm. um, and more opportunities for people to know that there's so much healing opportunity out there for them. Um, so I just, I appreciate what you're doing with this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I've experienced living here is the you know, endless amount of healing practitioners and powerful people that are facilitating incredible life-changing experiences. And it's time for that to be shared more widely, you know? Agreed. Mm-hmm. It is much needed right now. So I'm, I'm grateful for those of you that are, um, yeah, you're like the uh, illuminators, you know, you're like spreading more of that out into the world and it yeah. feels really, really important right now. Good. Thank you so much, Katrina. Yeah, my pleasure. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the Dreaming in the Hollow podcast. I hope you enjoyed this amazing episode. Learn more about me and what I do here at mountainhollowmedicinals.com and check out my apothecary web shop where you can find incredible healing products and tools to support your own healing journey. But you can follow me on Instagram at mountainhollowmedicinals and keep in touch with me. And please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mountainhollow. Every Patreon subscriber starting at the $2 a month level has access to all of the many gifts, um, exclusive gifts from the podcast guests, along with monthly tarot readings um, and any additional offerings and gifts I have to give you. And you also have access to all of the past workshops that have previously happened in the yurt space when it was open before this pandemic we are now in. So there is an array of alternative wellness and complementary medicinal courses on our Patreon page. Please check it out and you would be supporting the podcast as a Patreon supporter and my small business, which I run by myself as a mother of two here at home as my husband works full time and I continue to work in my community and offer as much access as I can to education on wellness. Thank you all so much, and I look forward to next time.